Hi, you guys. It's your host, Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. Today, the story I've got for us is a little bit more lighthearted than the topics we've covered in the previous weeks, and I just am really excited to share it with you because it's the birth story of one of my greatest friends, Alana. She is incredible and has so much wisdom for being only a mom of one and really, I believe, shares so many things in this podcast that I think we all could benefit from, whether you be thinking about having a baby or whether you have 10 children. She really just shares so many things that resonated with me and I hope will resonate with you. So tune in and let's get a little more educated together. story because we kind of had we made a decision first to go off birth control for just the reason that it made me cranky moody (laughs) what you emotional right no um (laughs) crying more than necessary and I it was just messing up with my period so it was like period every five to ten days and they were heavy periods and so uh, we made it we made we made the decision to just kind of quit and to make that decision we kind of also made the the thought like do we want to try to have children since we're already going off yeah so we figured let's pray about it let's think see how we feel we both came to the conclusion that it was a good time and I will never forget it was the weekend we were all up at the cabin together all the couples oh yeah that was my last day of birth control and I was like I don't know if I'm ready but we felt good about it and we weren't like trying 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 for the first maybe month or so um, but knowing that that was a possibility, I think in my head, I was like, maybe we should. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and looking back, I'm really glad that we made that decision to go off birth control. That was in September of 2019 and we didn't get pregnant until the end of 2020. So it did take me about a, a little over a year. Um, and in the process kind of discovered that I could have PCOS, um, kind of okay. got tested for all of that. Wow. And yeah, can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I we moved to New York, and I needed to just kind of have um, a new doctor, uh, just kind of trying to find all my replacements or everything I had here. Was that hard to find a doctor that you, like, vibed with? It was, and I I kind of just turned to the internet and read hundreds of reviews, and I You're found... You're like, Yelp, find me yeah, a doctor. <laughs> seriously, I was reading, like, who had the best reviews, and I decided to go with someone that was very straightforward. I thought that, that would be the best... Um, knowing that I was off birth control and I wanted to make the decision to have a child and I could tell that there was something off, I wanted someone who would look into it as much as possible. Yeah, that was like proactive. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I chose a doctor who kind of specialized in um, PCOS because I had seen the symptoms and I Googled like, why do I have so many chin hairs? Why must I shave my face every day? (laughs) Why are my periods 
so heavy all the time. And that was something that popped up. So yeah. I knew that that was something I wanted to get looked at. And um, around the time I had, my period was like two weeks late. And I thought, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I'm, pregnant. I'm pregnant. Yeah. And I took pregnancy tests and nothing. And I woke up one morning with just an insane amount of pain in my stomach. I was balled up on the floor. I couldn't make it to work and just started having like a really, really heavy period. And I thought something's got to be wrong. Yeah. So I went to the doctor. We did all of the blood tests and all the ultrasounds. And it came back that there was nothing wrong. But which I thought was like, there's no way. Yeah, um, odd. Knowing that I see all the symptoms, but what they see so like is your it's, body is checking out yeah mm. so that kind of was dismissed um but I kind of always had that in the back of my head and I had a feeling that just those issues would play a bigger role in to maybe why I wasn't getting pregnant um so I decided to start just dramatic Lana I took an ovulation test every single day I to see it. if I could find Not like what dramatic, was going like on being proactive for yourself yeah Absolutely. so I bought like a big pack and I was taking them every day and they were coming back negative for three to five months and at the time we were in Utah over the pandemic and I kind of had a hard time and I cried to my husband Nick and I'm like I think I should go see a doctor about something and um so we were coming back to New York in a couple months and I had decided to make an appointment with my doctor who kind of knew what was going on and see if there was something there Mm -hmm. and um a couple months after that, before we came back to New York, I was, my period was late again, and I thought, well, there it goes again, just doing its own thing, and I took a pregnancy test because I thought, it's my last one in the box, why not? Yeah. And it was positive, and I was shocked. It was not like the moment I thought where I would be, like, crying and like, oh, my gosh. Margo's like, it was me, Mom. Yeah, she was like, come on, you didn't even get crying over me? Huh, it was you. <laughs> She is so cute. She's sitting on the floor by us, so if you can hear her squeaking, that is her. (laughs) She's found her voice recently, so that's great. Um, So we were pregnant, and I was very excited, but also really nervous, not knowing, like... Yeah, so it wasn't necessarily the response you expected from yourself. Yeah, from myself, and I was really nervous, and so the first thing I did was I took, like, three more, and then I called my doctor in New York, and I decided to kind of switch doctors again, um, knowing that my doctor was pretty straightforward and like really quick, you were in and out. And I thought, okay, now that I might be pregnant, I kind of want someone who has more. a different mm-hmm. attitude. So I found a great practice through a friend um, of all women who specialized in a lot of different things and um, had really great Yelp reviews online. And so I, <laughs> when I called, I was told due to the pandemic, they weren't having pregnant women in until 10 and a half weeks. And I thought, how in the world am I going to make it this long? Um, so that like, was... I need to go now. Like, I need to see this baby. Exactly. I need to see if everything's okay. Um, and that was a really big, like, mental block for me, I think, just knowing that I wouldn't be able to know for... At that point, I think I was six weeks pregnant when I found out. I still had about a month left to go. Um, so I made the decision to take two pregnancy tests a week up until I went and wow. okay, I took I one on it. Wednesdays and on Saturdays. Yeah. So just racking up the bill on pregnancy <laughs> tests. Nick's like, um, can we, can we come back instead? <laughs> um, so that was, it was a cool experience for me because I think I, I saw another side of it that I wasn't 
maybe so privy to because you see and you hear about people who it's so quick and easy and you're excited and you watch these videos of everyone finding out like so overjoyed and and I just remember I had canceled a gym class because I wasn't feeling good and I wasn't in the best condition and I found I was pregnant I was confused and it was just I was happy but I was also like when did my body decide to kick it into gear and ovulate and um Mm -hmm. when I went in for my first appointment she kind of asked me like so tell me about all this stuff and she said that's interesting you tell me all these issues you're having because looking at everything in the date of conception your body was on track for a 28 day period when you got pregnant and I was I was shocked um because that had never really been a thing for me off birth control on birth control sometimes it was great off Mm -hmm. birth control it was kind of like huh what's gonna happen yeah it was very unpredictable um so that was that but once we made it through the first appointment I felt like I could breathe and then it was just the you know kind of morning sick the constant nausea and just you never really know I'm curious how was like Nick feeling about it at this point because I feel like a lot of the time especially when a couple may struggle to get pregnant a lot of the focus is on the woman Mm -hmm. as it should be because you are the one carrying the child and like actually experiencing you know like the conception and the birth and everything like that yeah but I feel like the partner sometimes gets like put on the back burner a little yeah. bit. Was do you feel like he was affected by like you're trying and like it not being successful, or do you feel like it was just kind of like I think, matter of fact to him? I think for him is he always knew that it was going to work out, mm-hmm. and so I think he could tell that I was just very always doubting, always nervous, yeah. and he kind of took the route of it's going to work out when it works out. Like if we need to see a doctor, that's okay. Like if we need to do tests, that's okay. And I really appreciated that because if it was just me, it'd be like, oh my goodness, I don't know. And I would be just an emotional wreck all the time. Um, When I did tell him you were pregnant, he was working at his desk and I was like, showed it to him. I'm like, okay, so I read the box and two lines means, (laughs) I'm like, here's what we're looking at. (laughs) And he was excited, but he was also also cautious for the same reason. Like Mm. he knew what it meant to us and he wanted me to be like, it's going to be okay like don't worry don't stress and whatever happens happens and he kind of kept me sane until I went to the doctor for the first time okay and like confirmed absolutely that you're pregnant yeah and he I feel like he was kind of also um he kind of missed out on the whole pregnancy experience because he couldn't come to any appointments with me and so it was kind of like I I felt like he didn't really get the exciting moments of seeing an ultrasound. He only saw one ultrasound, and it was the first ultrasound for about, like, two seconds. Yeah. My doctor let me FaceTime him because he couldn't be there. And by the time I was 36 weeks, they were like, okay, if he's vaccinated, he can come to appointments here on out. And at that point, it was just the pee in a cup. Yeah. You're let's like, check. You, it wasn't. You're going to measure my belly. I'm going to pee in the cup. And yeah. And listen with the Doppler. Like, nothing is going to happen that's worth him skipping work. <laughs> exactly. And so the first time he got to see an ultrasound was really in the hospital when they were just checking to see where she was at position-wise and all of that. Yeah. So it was definitely a different experience, and I think we were both anticipating. Um, totally. But it also kind of helped me to just view my pregnancy in a different way like it's not about all of the exciting and like instagram 
things. It was it was more just like me on my own at the doctor's office, not knowing what they were going to tell me, and just kind of having that experience that I think made me really grateful for even being pregnant and made me realize that it can be a really lonely journey for some people and that I was grateful for the time that I had to be alone in it and kind of sit with it and sit with just the questions of like what's going to happen are we going to be okay is she okay what is she doing in there mm-hmm. I like you just for me I like to see everything yeah and being pregnant was tough because like, you can't see your belly yeah it's like why hasn't she kicked in five minutes like what's totally going on and you're like so hyper aware and yeah <laughs> freaking out yeah but it was great and I I look forward to doing it again and seeing how different it might be yeah. since maybe now there are really aren't that many restrictions and I was just thinking about that because with Lewis, I think I had like the same perception you did going into it where I was like, oh, Jake will come to appointments, mm-hmm. he'll be really involved, like he's going to bond with the baby vicariously, like yeah. this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And then I think he probably came to my eight-week check-in and didn't see our doctor again until yeah. he came to our 20-week anatomy scan. Mm-hmm. And then by like the time I was like 25 weeks or something, COVID hit. Yeah. And so then after that, like, he wasn't allowed at anything yeah. until the birth, which, like you said, like, nothing crazy kind of happens at the appointments after that point. But, like, it still was very much like, oh, like, Jake is not involved at all. And, exactly. like, with this baby, he's never even met my doctor. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And, like, I'm crazy because I've changed doctors a couple times. But, like, he literally has never even met the person that's going to deliver our baby. Yeah. And I'm due in a week. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's wild yeah. to me. It'll and be a nice meeting at the hospital. Ultrasound. Like, yeah. He couldn't come to my 20 week. Like, it's just kind of weird. It is weird. And it was, I felt really bad. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This. <laughs> Do you want to come on? Do you want to come tell us all about you being here? <laughs> she is so loud. Perfect, though. She's just like smiling at us and giggling at us. This is the essence of this podcast, you guys, is that this is like mom life. Yep. We're just podcasting during nap time and margo just wants to tell us her story okay so we're back yes margo has her binky we'll see how long it lasts um so walk me through like first trimester feels after you confirm the pregnancy you're feeling good how did you feel with like your body do you feel sick i felt nauseous and i i just was it was like nothing ever sounded good Unless it was like chicken fingers and french fries. Um, Nothing sounded good. I was always on the verge of throwing up, but never threw up. And and I kind of wish I could have just thrown up. I feel like that might have made me feel a little better. Um, And that was the kind of the situation until about like 13 weeks. I think it kind of just went away after that. Um, Which is amazing. I feel like that's pretty, I mean, granted those weeks can be brutal and seem so long. But... 13 could have been worse Let's could have been worse <laughs> exactly and then it it was also like I was hungry like starving mm-hmm. but I just couldn't get myself to eat anything unless it was like a specific thing and so okay, whatever so I was cravings. feeling yes it I had to be it. the same whatever came into my mind is what I wanted and I remember all I wanted was Hawaiian I wanted Mobetas really really <laughs> And there was not a Mobetta's. For some reason, I'm like, I gotta have teriyaki chicken from Mobetta's. And I remember we found like a Hawaiian-ish restaurant on DoorDash in New York. And it came and I was like, this is going to be the best meal ever. 
and all I could taste and smell was the vinegar in the vinegar-based sauce, and no, I couldn't do it. Ruined it. And I you. think I started crying. I'm like, this is ruined. Yeah. Like I'm starving. What am I gonna eat? Um, that's kind of how it was, and I just had to kind of uh, just eat whatever I was feeling yeah. like, and that's what I had to have. And it was hard because a lot of it was fast food. That was like mm. the only thing that for some reason felt like I needed to eat. Yeah. I just needed like substance, but it was bad substance, not that, the good that was substance. The same with Lou though, where I was yeah. like the only stuff that sounded good was literally like French fries for like twenty weeks. Yeah. And I'm not really like a French fry person. I like French fries, you know what I mean? But like Yeah. To, for that to be the only thing I want to eat. When you're trying to sure. grow another human. Yeah, when you're, like, feeling all this pressure to, like, eat well and, like, grow a human. And then you're like, oh, joke. Okay, back at it one more time. <laughs> so, yes, all you wanted was, like, fried food. But it, did you feel like your cravings were consistent or do you feel like they changed all the time? I feel like they were pretty consistent. It was chicken fingers, french fries, corn dogs, burgers. Like, it was just what you should not be eating and I think thinking about it now I'm like who maybe I should have given her something better um she grew just fine yeah she's she's, yeah she's good (laughs) um and then eventually it kind of became like the total opposite like I just wanted something cold I wanted like fresh fruit and salads Mm. for some reason as long as it was cold I wanted it I wanted something crisp so it was like really bad for me and just hot and greasy or fresh and cold of the fresh yeah so like anything in between wasn't gonna happen it's perfect (laughs) exactly and lots of like like soda things and so like ginger ale zero was my best friend everywhere I went I got a ginger ale and shout out to New York for having bars in every restaurant because they (laughs) always had ginger ale ale with lemon like what a random bev because I feel like that's not at every restaurant no but New York yeah so love that everywhere I went I'm like can I get a ginger ale with lemon and they're like okay sure sure so it was good and then after about 13 or 14 weeks I I was pretty back to normal okay and I could eat whatever like not like a crazy person and very specific just whatever I wanted and whatever was available (laughs) and you did that like persist through the rest of pregnancy or did you ever get sick again I didn't get sick until about like 34 or 35 weeks when the heartburn started to present itself and so I would research like what I should eat what I shouldn't eat and so it just I was really scared about like what was going to make me get heartburn Mm -hmm. but I quickly realized it was really everything she was very high up in my ribs and so it was just her position that she was in that would cause me to feel that way so once I realized it wasn't the food, I think I just ate, just, just knowing ate. I'm going to yeah. get heartburn by the end of the day. Was there anything that helped your heartburn? Sitting up. <laughs> and much. I think like cold, I drink a lot of cold drinks or cold ginger ale. <laughs> shout out again. So shout out to ginger ale. Sponsor, sponsor, yeah, sponsor me, ginger ale. Um, Canada Dry, call me. But... Um, I just kind of did the whole, like, don't don't lay down after you eat. Don't eat it after a certain time. Yeah. Um, even though I still got heartburn. But I realized, like, it's just part of part of the, the stage of pregnancy. I'm, I'm curious, in. too. Did, did Margot have a lot of hair when she was born? More than I expected. Mm. And then someone, people will tell me that. If yeah. If baby has hair, sometimes, like, they think it's connected to heartburn. Who yeah. Knows? Who knows if it actually is? But yeah. But it can be a thing. But when she was born, when she had dark hair, we were like, oh, yeah, maybe that's why I was yeah. getting heartburn. I yeah. don't know. That's so funny. But, but, but then it was interesting because I was even having heartburn in the hospital. As soon as 
she was born and I was back in the recovery room, gone. Never really? had it since, yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was so excited. Crazy. I'm like, I can lay down whenever I want and I can sleep and not. Like about to have a burger and take a fat nap. <laughs> exactly. Eat whatever and sleep whenever because I don't have heartburn anymore. Okay. So it was that was crazy to me. It was just gone. And yeah, I haven't that, had it since. That is kind of yeah. crazy, honestly. Yeah. Margo, putting your mom through hell. Seriously. That's um that's funny. Okay, well then. Let's go to maybe the end of your pregnancy. So pregnancy, pretty standard after you stop feeling sick. Yeah, pretty standard. They confirmed her position was down Mm -hmm. at like 36. She was head down starting at about 20 weeks. She never was head up, which was great. At my anatomy scan, they were like, she's still head down. And then all my ultrasounds after that, she was still kind of head down, which... I could kind of feel by the kicks I was getting to my ribs. I mm-hmm. could kind of feel towards the end that she was still head down. Um, she wasn't dropping as low as they had hoped towards the end of my pregnancy. Okay. Um, I did try to go on a lot of walks and do squats and jump around, do all those exercise <laughs> classes to try to get things moving along. Yeah. Um, but starting at 36 weeks, there was like no progress in dilation. And so there were kind of but they would tell me like it's okay some women don't until like the very end until they're ready to give birth yeah Yeah. so we did all the right scans um and then at 39 weeks they were i was still at a zero everything and they kind of that's when they started asking me about like family history like what were my what was my mom's pregnancy like um and her pregnancy was pretty great up until the end when she just couldn't dilate past a four and had mm-hmm. to kind of, she needed help after that and needed to be induced. And, and then her body still couldn't, wouldn't do it. And so she ended up having a C-section. So when I told them that, they started checking me in like a different way. Mm-hmm. They, at 39 weeks, they were like, has anyone ever told you your pelvis is kind of small? I'm like, well, well like, no, you I've have been. have only been here for 40 weeks. Yeah, Thanks. but you <laughs> haven't seen me for a really long time and sticking your hand up there. So I don't know how you didn't You're notice like, that. Thanks for the newsflash. And I'm like, uh, no one has ever told me that. Um, so they kind of started the talk about, you know, like people with small pelvises often need to have a C-section. You're young. The baby's is head down. You can make it work, so let's not worry about that until we need to. Mm -hmm. But I remember I left, and I, like, texted Nick, and I'm like, I think I'm going to have to have a C-section, which is something that I I went in to pregnancy not wanting a C-section because Mm -hmm. I swear every Brazilian woman I know has had a C-section. So I'm like, is it just in my DNA? Well, I need to have a C-section. And every I would always, like, reach out to my friends who I knew were Brazilian and had babies, and asked them, like, how was your delivery? What ended up happening? And it was like, oh, it was great. I had to have a C-section for whatever reason. Or some of them didn't. And so I kind of was like, you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, could be 50-50. Could be 50-50. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like a lot of pressure to just avoid it at all costs. Mm-hmm. But I I went into the hospital, like, whatever happens, happens. And I will. I, all I want is my little baby here and out so I can sleep again and not have heartburn <laughs> ever again. Um and so I, the more I talked to my doctors, they kind of explained that it didn't seem like my body was progressing towards labor on its own and that I could make the decision to be induced after 39 weeks. And all I had to do was just send them an email, and that was that, and give them a couple dates I thought would be a great day. And I remember they said, like, go home, talk to your husband. But a lot of women in New York choose to be induced because – they don't have cars to get to the city. 
you don't have to call an Uber, have to deal with rush hour. You never know where you're going to be. And my worst nightmare was going into labor, walking to Target. I'm like, who's going to help me? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> you're like, like, out in the middle of the road. You're yeah. Like, um, okay. And I was like, I don't know. And so I thought about it. And with my history and just everything that was going on, I decided, let's just get induced. And it was very, I was really nervous. And we like had the Uber scheduled. They picked us up. We went. It was great. And then checking in, they're like, are you in any pain? And I'm like, no, I'm being induced. And then they just kind of sat me in the waiting room for like three hours because I wasn't in labor. I wasn't feeling any pain. So they kind of put me the bottom of the list, which now looking back, I appreciated that because they gave me time to just relax. I was so, so nervous. And I was like cried the whole ride there because I was just nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And so me sitting in the waiting room for a little bit kind of made me calm down. And then by the time that the doctor was like, hey, we're going to get you in a room in just a little bit. We had some things come up. I was ready to go. I was like, okay, that's fine. And I went in, like, not being scared, being excited and pretty calm, which I think I really needed. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to interrupt you for, like, yes, two seconds, please. though. What, if you could, like, pinpoint, like, your fears, like, your things you were nervous about, what was, like, causing you all that stress, do you think? I think it was just not knowing what the labor experience would be like. I... I took like the labor prep classes they had. I read so many things and I tried to get, I mean, I feel like it's pretty self-explanatory. Like you go to the hospital, you go to labor, you push, baby's here. Yay. Like that was just kind of what I had in my head. Um, But for some reason I was overcomplicating the situation. And like people were telling me their birth experiences and I feel like people tell you when it's very traumatic. Mm. It's always the ones who want to share. Exactly. Have had a very extra experience, which everyone's experience is like their own. Yeah. It can be, you know, what's traumatic for you is nothing to me or vice versa. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's hard. That's like one of the hardest things about like birth, in my opinion, is because it's so subjective. (laughs) Yeah. It's so different for everyone. And some people are very willing to tell you what happened. Some people are a little bit more closed off, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I feel like every single person I asked or who just told me, it was like, oh. I remember my boss at work telling me his wife went in to get a checkup. Like at 38 weeks and the doctor was checking her cervix and was like, all right, we need to get an ambulance here. We're delivering this baby. I can't remove my hand. And Did she have a prolapsed cord? She did. Oh, my gosh. And so he was just telling me about Spooks. how. Were that like something like that? Yeah. Traumatic. I would be like, holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Your boss's wife had one of like, truthfully, in my opinion, like the most traumatic experiences. Oh, yeah. From like a nursing standpoint, from like a mother's standpoint. Yeah. That would be very scary. So going into your own induction with like this expectation of like, frick, what if the most the most crazy scary, thing happens? crazy thing happens to me, yeah. And I think that was, I think he knew he made me a little nervous because he came back at the end of my shift and was like, you know, I didn't mean to scare you. Oh. But, and he apologized and he gave me a book on baby sleep and he's like, this helped us, you're going to do great. And that was the last time I talked to him and he sees on Instagram and he's like, I'm glad it went well, I'm so happy for oh, you. I so, but it was situations like that that I was just expecting just something crazy to happen. I'm like, yeah. there's got to be, everyone seems to have something that they didn't expect to happen, which I think is fine. Like you can, it doesn't totally. always go completely to plan. Um, and I remember my doctor asked me to write a birth plan and she's like, it could be as simple as 
whatever needs to happen or if you have very detailed like you want this this time or you want this treatment you don't want this treatment you want to do this and I I didn't really know what I wanted and I just all I told her was I I trust you I trust all the nurses involved and just guide me through it because I don't really know what to expect um so we showed up and I was at ease once we got into the room and it was right it was around like 10 30 at night and so I just got like the just get changed and get sleepy and let's just get this going so the first thing they told me after they told me to just relax and that it was going to be a while they starting at zero everything they kept telling me this is a marathon not a race like this is this might take some time so Which the I first think is good that they set your yeah. expectation that way because I feel like some moms that I've worked with that come in are like I'm being induced let's have this baby like yeah. is it gonna be three hours I'm like oh sis you could be here for 48 hours and yeah not even like have a lot of change <laughs> you yeah know what I mean I remember we had like everyone in my husband's family we we did like a everyone uh, picked a time the baby was going to be born at. I love it <laughs> and mine was like 24 hours after everyone else I'm like there's no way she's coming that soon um so the first thing we tried was like the little pill that they answer I don't remember any of the terms for any of this so it was the pill I had a great nurse who kind of helped me and told me this is going to get crampy so we'll get you some heating pads and then that wasn't doing anything really so they came in and we did the foley balloon okay. which was a wild experience <laughs> so just to explain what alana's talking about so the foley balloon is where they put like a catheter tube up into you mm-hmm. yes <laughs> very past, much like past your cervix and then what happens i don't know how like much they inflated your balloon but they'll yeah. do anywhere from like 30 milliliters to 90 milliliters of water into that balloon to like essentially act as if that was like the baby's head pushing mm-hmm. on your cervix and so yeah. it like triggers your body to think like oh the baby's head is here i should dilate to let this baby out yeah so I don't know how much they put in there. They might have told me, and I just not comfortable. I'll no, put it that way. <laughs> I think that was the first thing that I was. If I could, it was not good. It hurt, and yeah. I once it was in, I could still like walk around, go mm-hmm. to the bathroom. I could still kind of move. Um, and like six or seven hours later, they come in, like we're just gonna check it, and then it just comes out, and that really hurt. And so yeah, when they. <laughs> You want to, like, kind of tug on it, and, yeah. and usually you'll tape the tube to, like, the mom's leg and kind yeah. of apply pressure, and yeah, it's just, yeah. It's not the most comfortable thing. dilated to, like, a three or a four, yeah. hopefully. Yeah, so I think I was out. at a four, almost a five, when it came out, so that was really great. Which is great. amazing, because that's, like, halfway to ten. Yeah, you know? so that was about 12 hours later, and then after that, it was, B decided to do Pitocin, because I was at a five, and with that came the contractions. Mm. And so eventually I asked for the epidural, which I think I was the most nervous for. Okay. I had, I told myself never to Google it. I never saw the, everyone's like, it's such a long needle. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, just going to opt out that. of the image of that. Um, and so I remember I asked for one because I was feeling a lot of pain. And they're like, okay, it's going to be about 45 minutes. There's another mom in front of you. I'm like, well, let's remove the mom from the line and move (laughs) me up. So finally, yeah, I'm like, I'm priority, please. Obviously, I wasn't. You made me wait for three hours at the beginning of this. Um, VIP now. Seriously, I was like, I just need it. And I was really nervous to drink water, I remember, because I had to. 45 minutes? 45 minutes. That's a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) So it was not 
the anesthesiologist himself was doing. So NYU, where I delivered, is a teaching hospital. Okay. And they have the wonderful NYU medical school, which is free. And so they have really great students, but it's very hands-on. And I remember I was a little nervous for that. But then everyone I met was so nice and knew what they were doing. I never felt scared. And so um, there was the anesthesiologist in the room. And then I'm very bad with, like, medical school level of things. I'm not exactly sure... He wasn't a student. I know that he, I think it was like he was either a resident or in his fellowship, but okay. he was kind of being guided through the process. Mm-hmm. And he walked in the room, and I'm on the toilet. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> door nice open to because who needs privacy? They like don't <laughs> even know. shut the door. They don't care. <laughs> and he's like, Hi. And he like looked at me. He's like, Hi, I'm here for your epidural whenever you're ready. And I'm like, <laughs> Let me just wipe and I'll be right out. <laughs> just really humbling. Yeah, moment. like, can I come out of the bathroom first, please? Yeah, like, can we shut the door? That's amazing. So he was very calm, and I think I was a little nervous because they, they always have to explain, like, oh, I'm acting under Dr. So-and-so, mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm here to watch. It's going to be great. He did a lovely job. It was That's very good. great. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of the waiting. They did an ultrasound. They saw that I had a fibroid on my uterus, mm-hmm. which they asked if I – had been told that and I had not so I don't know if it kind of developed after they stopped doing sonograms or I'm not quite sure but they said that's just something to be mindful of um so I didn't really knew I didn't know what that meant what that meant so I just kind of was like okay sounds good like you'll know what that is I don't really know what that is Mm -hmm. and then we just did the lovely peanut ball and just trying to get her in the right position we found out she was um sunny side up so I started to feel a lot of the back labor Mm. which was a wild experience and then I just remember I slept I slept for the next 24 hours with my epidural and just waiting for things to progress and they weren't progressing very quickly but eventually I got to a 10 and I was feeling very proud of myself and then my epidural wore off and I'm like why am I feeling everything I thought I I didn't want to feel all of this and I at the end too where you're like at the very end and I got really lucky that for some reason I had two like experienced nurses one of which was pregnant and so I felt a lot I felt at ease um my favorite doctor was on call and it was just they were there massaging my back taking turns swapping out with Nick and I got a new epidural because mine apparently stopped working but eventually the doctor was like okay now we have to have the conversation like your daughter's not in the right place her head's gonna have a really hard time coming out of your uterus and into this birthing canal and basically so had you pushed i had not pushed before they had this conversation i had not pushed they had checked very interesting yes Hmm. they had just checked and they noticed that i was at a 10 and my cervix was pretty thin and the contractions were pretty pretty close and pretty painful and so they could tell with every contraction, her heart rate would drop. Okay. And so they kind of got the sense that she she was trying to come out. She was trying to get herself in the right position. Is she farting? She's farting. <laughs> coughing and farting. I literally was like, what are those bubble noises? Not me, it's her. Bubbling? Like, boop, boop. No, no, it's her. Just Margo farting. Um, so they kind of looked and they just... There was not – for me to be at a 10 and to be fully effaced and her not being ready to go, I think they were a little – they didn't know how long it was going to take for her. Yeah. 
and the only positions that would help move her on like the peanut ball was me on all fours mm. kind of around it but that would also cause her heart rate to drop and so okay. it was kind of the conversation of what like how was I feeling about the situation and this was the same doctor who told me um like a week or two before that a c-section might be in the cards if we couldn't get her out Mm -hmm. um and I was expecting to kind of push but I could kind of feel a sense of like everyone was kind of hesitant and they would discuss things outside the room Mm. and even Nick my husband was like when would you like to tell her like you will do whatever because at that point I was like Nick I don't know what to do like I I just, I felt bad seeing her heart rate drop. I'm like, I don't want to put her in a position where things could go from, like, pretty calm to kind of dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so when the doctor came back in, I just said, I will do whatever you think is best to bring the baby out. Like, if that means you want me to push, I can do that. If that means you would like a C-section, I will do that. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I think we should go for a C-section. And I was okay with that. I was pretty, pretty calm. So from the moment that we were all on the same page of, like, the C-section is going to be the only way we're going to be able to get her out, it was pretty quick. And within 45 minutes, she was born. And I just remember they, like, explained to us that I was going to go in, Nick would come in after, um, in the scrubs. And they were so great. They talked me through it. Um, All of the different medical students and the residents who were going to play a part came in, introduced themselves, told me what part they were going to be playing in the birth, um, which I thought was really cool. I was very comfortable with them. And sometimes I feel like they they have to explain, like, I'm not going to be delivering your child because I think a lot of people get a little nervous having students perform mm-hmm. anything on them. And I know I was when I found out I would be at, at NYU. But they were so nice, and they talked me through it. The anesthesiologist was there with his resident, and he talked her through everything. And I appreciated that because everything was explained to the, what I could understand. So it wasn't like I, could, I obviously couldn't see what they were doing. But as they were explaining it, it definitely calmed me down mm-hmm. because I'm like, they know what they're doing because they're walking these people step by step. And I felt pretty, pretty at ease. And they were like, all right, you're about to be a mom. Are you ready to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. So at this point, this is how many hours this is after about your in like beginning of your induction. About thirty six hours after, mm. so about thirty six hours um, later was when she was born, and after that it was all like, all right, she's here, congratulations. So no complications. No in complications the that you're aware of. Not that I'm aware of. Before they started, the doctor was like, all right, she's at risk for. Um, like bleeding out essentially because I had been on so much, um, and fibroids. Yes, what you were saying. Yeah, can, can sometimes like prevent the uterus from, like being able to contract mm-hmm. as effectively. Yeah. after the fact, and so that can. Well, that's news can, to me. I didn't yeah, know that. It can help you or not help you. It can like lead you to bleed. Yeah, more, which explains a lot of the conversations that they were having with me. Like they yeah. never really fully in depth explained, but it would cause Mm -hmm. but they're like what if we see that it's going to be a problem we'll let you know but that is something they said in the room like just prepare in case it were to happen so I was just kind of worried like okay after she was born and they cleaned her off and they handed her to us and we saw her they asked Nick to leave because they were going to close me back up 
And I think in that that process, they do it with just me in the room. Oh, and so, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So he was in, like, the little waiting room waiting. Did he have Margo? I don't remember. I okay. don't think so. Okay. But you didn't have Margo. I didn't have Margo. I think so they were. she was on the warmer. Yeah. Or, like, I think they were doing whatever they had to do afterwards while okay. they were sewing me back up. And then, um, yeah. So we, we heard her cry, and then they they asked Nick for his phone for some pictures. Mm-hmm. So all of the pictures we have of her are just the nurses taking. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> the nurses were doing their thing, which I thought was very thoughtful of them. Yeah. They took pictures of us, and um, then we just kind of wait in the little area. And the interesting thing about NYU is you're automatically assigned a room with two beds for recovery, which not I one. Was- when yes. you told me that. I'm like, excuse me, you have bunkmates? Yeah, I'm like, here's my roomie. And I. they told me in advance, like, if you want a private room, you can request one at the beginning of your induction. It's not automatic. There's a list. And with COVID, a lot of people were requesting those private rooms. So oh, they were kind true. of... I kind of forgot that all of this was happening, yeah, happening in the middle of... The middle of that. But what was kind of nice is that they changed how long you were in the hospital so if you had a, a, a vaginal birth you were out if you didn't have any complications within 24 hours of your labor like 24 mm-hmm. hours or later you were discharged unless you would like to stay a little bit longer mm-hmm. and a c-section was going to be um it was like 36 hours so it wasn't even what? a full 48 hours after um yeah so you were just like if all goes well like you were fine to go home in 36 you didn't yeah. feel too stressed about that or anything. I didn't feel super stressed I was the first 12 hours I did not have a roommate um but once she did come in I was like yeah I'm ready to go home it just yeah I felt bad like if Margot cried or we were having some issues the second night um with the cluster feeding because I didn't mm. I wasn't producing a lot of milk or colostrum at the time and so she was really she was hungry and crying and fussy and just kind of wanted to suckle and there was just nothing there for her mm-hmm. and this of course was happening like past 2 a.m when my lovely like the middle of the, the middle of the night where my lovely roommate was trying to get some sleep and I was trying to be like aware because her husband did not stay with her they had two other kids oh, wow. and so he came into the room after she gave birth and was like Hey, we're going to Sweet Green. Can we grab you anything for lunch? Oh, Very nice. So tender. <laughs> and then he was like, "All right, I'll be back in the morning to pick you up." And then he was gone, and she was a champ. She handled everything alone, which I was, oh I was in awe. She had done it before twice, but just to be there alone in the first night, I was like, I do not want to make That's this any worse yeah. for her. So that was kind of tricky. Your insurance does not cover um, a private room, and it's like five hundred to six hundred dollars a night. And so it was on top of what on, you're already paying on top of what you're already paying. There. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was, that was kind of like the one thing that I kind of wish just did not need to happen, but yeah. it wasn't as bad. She was in and out before I even left. So she was ready <laughs> after she 24 like hours. They're like, okay, you're discharged. It took us a little bit longer to leave, but it was just a, I think, but what, I think during the pandemic, obviously, we were all just so grateful for first responders and nurses and and like doctors and everyone working in medical care. And I might cry now, but I was so grateful for every single nurse. They were so nice. Helped me go to the bathroom the first time. 
hyped me up through it was like wow you're such a good peer you hit <laughs> the millimeters you needed whatever milliliters and, and, but like but I was like, wow. When you're like, oh, yeah. Oh she's like, gosh. it takes some women like a couple, like 20 minutes to just breathe. And I'm like, wow, I peed in two. And she's like, you're so great. So <laughs> it's just like, like, thank you, hype girl. Can you're I like, you thank you. Yeah. Can you come home and feed my child? <laughs> so they were so thoughtful and they could, they could tell that I was, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was really worried about my breast milk. They told me that, you know, with C-sections, your body can take a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Which to, is totally normal. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, just make sure you have a plan. Um, and luckily, a wonderful neighbor gave me some leftover, like, ready-to-feed little baby formula bottles. Oh, and she's like, we needed these. And we got home from the hospital. We went through every single one. And we got home. And it was great. It was a great experience because if looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. I could do that anytime someone's like hey you want to have baby and go through the same process and feel the same pain I'm like yeah of course it was great the outcome was so worth it but in the moment it is just like one of the craziest experiences and for me like I like to think that I'm strong and I can feel pain and I can go through those things but in the moment I'm like there's no way I could feel I remember telling Nick I'm like we're having one child like if I have to feel another contraction I'm gonna scream and then I did and I'm like all right get those massage hands ready because I'm gonna need some back massages so I I am I'm proud of what my body can do and I'm proud of like as you should be yeah you're a human it was coming home and I'm like wow I don't even I like was I even pregnant and I mean your whole life changes when you walk in thing though yeah because you seriously have the baby and it's like okay wait what? Like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this is the weirdest, yeah. like, check back into reality ever. Yeah. And then you're just, like, home with a baby. And yeah. And your life is never the same. Never the same. And you just start, like, the whole new phase. And I remember my doctors were kind of telling me before, like, you know, postpartum hormones are a thing. And I'm like, doubt it. I'm like, I'm already hormonal. Like, is could it actually like, could get it any worse? worse? <laughs> and they were right. And I... I struggled with that because it w- I would just be sitting there, like, crying for no reason. Mm-hmm. And my lovely friends, one of which is Anna, sent me a really kind package. And I remember I just sobbed we for, like... We were so sad we couldn't see baby Margot. We were like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, how are we going to meet our niece so oh, far away? <laughs> my hormones were through the roof. And we had just gotten home from, like, one of her first, like, pediatrician appointments. And the guy downstairs was like, there's a nice box here for you. And, like, we took it upstairs. And I opened it, and I just started crying. And I sent them a nice selfie of me sobbing. But it was like (laughs) the hormones were doing their thing. And I I realized your body goes through a lot those nine Mm -hmm. months. Things that it just knows what to do. And even after, like, it knows what to do. It knows how to shrink back up. I mean, hopefully it did. I don't know. I'm like, I (laughs) hope. When I saw my doctor like six weeks, like, she's like, you're shrinking really well. I'm like, how would you know? You just touched my stomach. (laughs) But it's. I don't know. You just, after those six weeks, they're like, okay, all right. You can go back to normal. You can start lifting things heavier than your baby. Um, You can start, like, working out. You can do all. And I was like, okay, so that's it. So my body's back. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom. Like, okay, (laughs) sounds good. And so it was just kind of like, they they sometimes treat it as, like, no big deal. Like, every mom has their six-week appointment. You're like, all right, looks good. Have fun. Mm-hmm. I had a couple things, so I had to hold off on some stuff, but I just remember, like, coming home to Nick, and I'm like, okay, so, like, it's all good. And I'm yeah. like, I guess I'm back to my normal self. And Which I think that 
kind of what you just said is almost like a fault in the system Mm -hmm. in some ways where it's like to medical providers like just checking in at six weeks to them is like one more thing on their to-do list of that yeah you know what i mean like it's just like oh yeah i have like 12 six-week check-ins today yeah and like to them it's like oh they look fine they're healing fine no complications okay yeah you're good you know yeah to you it's like you've just spent the last six weeks going through this intense life change yeah and like physically mentally emotionally yeah like every level of your life is now in some way kind of out of whack yeah not in a bad way like it could be for the better some you could feel like are for the worse but like sometimes I feel like and I'm even guilty of this as like a nurse of just being like oh like you'll be fine like it's totally normal yeah like that just being the response yeah but like for someone who's never gone through this or like I don't know just is like feeling the postpartum feels big time that can yeah. be really kind of devastating and like kind of hard to feel like maybe they weren't heard or like yeah like their situation wasn't understood exactly or like give me a, a little bit more a little guidance bit of grace or like yeah guidance. like help me through this you know? i remember when i was leaving the hospital and i was being checked out um the nurse was like all right so you are a part of this practice and they like she's like i think they like to check people out at two weeks if you have a c-section I'm like, well, you think. So I called the office and I was like, hey, I heard this. She's like, oh, yeah, when's two weeks? It was so, I remember I showed up and she was like, you look great. How are you feeling? Like stretched my incision. She's like, you're healing really well. But it was always like really positive, which might, that maybe I just didn't, there was nothing crazy going on. But it was, I didn't know, sometimes my incision looked a different color. And I'm like, is that okay? Is this normal? Like, why do I feel pain here? And it was like, I almost had to ask the questions to then get the answers. The answer. Whereas mm-hmm. if I already, if they had already told me like, okay, you have what's called anchor sti- stitches. Those are going to hurt. If you feel pain, that's what they are. Like they're yeah. holding everything together. They will dissolve. You'll never feel the pain after that. It was just kind of like, oh no, it's it's normal. Yeah. What's like common knowledge to like someone in the medical yeah. field may be like so foreign to someone who's exactly. like experiencing it. And so to like not have, you know, like a very 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 clear explanation of like what you're experiencing yeah it could be like okay like this is normal but like what is normal Let yeah explain it to so me. like you am i supposed I mean? to feel that to ask that question like yeah you never would have had that information they would have never told to me you, you know yeah and so it was it, i kind of learned that i just needed to be that person who asks a lot of questions which i try really hard not to be i'm always like just you know listen well, you're so like freaking chill and easy going that you're like oh okay, sometimes whatever. yeah i'm like okay yeah, this is what they That's said fine. i'll do it. like whatever they tell me i will do but yeah. i kind of realized that like the more questions i asked the more i wouldn't know like they weren't going to explain like they didn't really explain to me the fibroid because i was like okay like i didn't yeah, know you're just like okay i'm not really concerned about it yeah right this second yeah know? so i think going into like a second pregnancy i feel like i will probably be that person who asks a lot more questions just because i mean if I don't ask, I might not know. Totally. Which is, and I remember at my six-week appointment, I was still bleeding and still feeling some stuff with my incision. And so they were like, okay, if, you don't ble- if, you're, if you're not done bleeding by 10 weeks, just send us an email and we'll check you out. And so it was kind of like, okay, so for four more weeks, I just have to keep an eye on this. Yeah. Like, there could be something left in there. Like, we don't really know. So it was just, and I think they were trying to really downplay the situation so that I myself wasn't like, well, why am I still bleeding? Like, is everything yeah. okay? Is there yeah. something wrong? And, like, it could have just been that, like, you're someone that bled for a long time. Yeah. You know, like, with Lou, I think I seriously bled for, like, eight weeks. Yeah. Just, like, 
casually, occasionally would yeah. date. You know what I mean? Which can be normal. But yeah. it can be like, oh, you have some retained placenta yeah. in there. And that's, like, causing your body to, like, have an infection and, like, bleed and yeah. like, make you really sick. Or, like, yeah. they so left there a so many sponge in there. Or, like, my worst mean, nightmare. Like, obviously, like, <laughs> jumping to Z. I'm like, all those suckers better have been counted. Because <laughs> I don't want that. Um, yeah, so it was just kind of, like, I feel like with babies, we're going in. I mean, obviously, they're brand new human beings. But we go in. Like, two days later, a week later, a week after that, three mm-hmm. weeks after that. And with us, it's like, all right, six weeks, mom, go work out, go get fit, go do your thing, you're doing great, we're, we're hyping you up, which is great, but it's also like, you want to hype me up again in like two weeks at another yeah, checkup? Totally. Like, do you want to call and check in? Um, like, and- I, I know I've said this, not talking to you, but like to other people that I've interviewed, and it sounds so high maintenance, but like... Be that person that advocates for yourself yeah. after your baby and be like, no, actually, I want you to call me in three days. Yeah. And, like, they should call you. They're yeah. your doctor. Like, it's their responsibility to take care of you Yeah. in, like, the best way that you feel you need. Yeah. And, like, a practice that I used to work at before I worked on labor and delivery that was, like, an outside, um, like, not a hospital. It was just, like, a birthing center. Like, they had, like, a one-day check-in, a three-day check-in. A I love that. check-in. Like, a 10-day, 15... Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they checked in all the time. And for moms who felt fine, like, it was, like... It was a three-minute phone call. Yeah. But if it was a mom that was, like, you know what? I want you to come to my house and, like, see yeah. me. They would come. Like, you know I love I mean? that. Like, and obviously, the practice was smaller and more personal and mm-hmm. private. But, like, that level of care should be kind of an expectation, I think. Absolutely. Where it's like, you just delivered a baby. Yeah. And, like, deserve that attention. Exactly. You know? And I remember I got a call from one of the nurses at NYU and I was having a rough day and I was in the bathroom and she called me and I was like, I'm going to answer because it's an, I, for some reason I was like, I'm going to answer. It's a New York number. could be my doctor's office. Totally. And it was just a really sweet nurse. Like, Hey, we just wanted to check in on you. How are you doing? How are things? And I talked to her for a little bit. She's like, if you need anything, give us a call. Like, don't be afraid to call. Don't be afraid to call your doctor. And that was really appreciated mm. because like I was there for what 36 hours after the baby was born and they remembered me I'm like, how, like how's baby margo how's nick oh, so like they were so thoughtful because it's like you go through your pregnancy and then you're done and then you go through having a baby and then you have breastfeeding and all of those decisions and it just feels like it's one thing after the other mm-hmm. and i don't know like what i'm doing all the way and now it's like okay now like go home and start feeding her food and i'm like oh my gosh i have to feed <laughs> my like, child food and like how about just milk yeah like we're just gonna do milk for a while but it was like it's just always something new that as a mom you oftentimes have to kind of figure out on your own and i love ask i mean i've texted anna a thousand times yeah, everyone i never have the answer i'm always like idk man but it's like the most know. supportive answer it's like you do you like this is what we did but every baby's different and it's like I am the kind of person who likes to be told what to do. I'm definitely a follower, not a leader. Oh, and wow. so it's like now it's like I have to find that. I have to yeah. find my own plan for feeding her food and kind of going at her pace and not feel like, well, so-and-so's baby's eating this. Like, why isn't my baby? So it's like totally. doing exactly what's best for Margot and what she likes and what makes her happy. Then like forcing her to do something because it's the milestone or yeah. because every other baby on Instagram is doing that. Yeah. So I've kind of had to train myself to just just do whatever I feel comfortable with and what my baby feels comfortable with. And if my doctor's like, at four months, you can give her food. And I'm like, I'm going to hold off because I don't feel like he's ready. Yeah, she's fine. And I did, and I felt really good about that decision. But it's like, 
they were just expecting that. But they were so nice about it. So it's a whole different – I feel like I've learned so many new skills that I didn't know I had before mm-hmm. of, like, trying to make decisions and being making those executive decisions on somebody else's life. Totally. And Which is so scary, but – she doesn't know. She's like, sweet, butternut squash puree, absolutely, Damn, put it in. So it's like, it's just a whirlwind of emotions, and I feel like I'm at a point now, seven months later, where I'm definitely less emotional about it. Sometimes I do kind of beat myself up over, like, is she is she doing this enough? Is she doing this? Are we doing enough independent play? Are we doing all this stuff? And it's like, I just need to cut myself some slack. I think mom's in general, we put so much pressure on ourselves to do the right thing and to do what we, like, what the world tells us yeah, is the best. But what's right. But what's you right. It's I like, mean. the only thing that's right is if your baby is happy, if they're growing, and you just kind of have to do that and not worry so much about if you're checking, like, individual boxes that sometimes are not going to be checked right away. Yeah. I think that's so wise. Yeah. <laughs> like, genuinely. <laughs> wow. Like, I feel like, well, I do. I feel like a lot of new moms especially, or, like, this is my fifth time, you know, having a baby. And, like, yeah. mom guilt is still so real. So you know real. What I mean? And it can be a different experience every go-around, I'm sure. Like, I wouldn't even know. I only have one baby. But, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm sure that it's not, like, moms that have had tons of kids are immune to the fact that, like, oh, this is what babies are supposed to do right now. Mm-hmm. Not even because it's, like, developmentally appropriate, but because, like, this is what instagram says my kid is doing you yeah know what i mean which seems like so silly that we put so much pressure on ourselves yeah. to kind of meet these standards that other moms feel are right for their babies yeah you know what i mean yeah but like being able to take hold of your parented and like saying you know what like for us this is what works mm-hmm. that i think is just gonna be like so empowering in the long run oh yeah and for your children too yeah to know that like for them to look to you and know that you have made, like, every decision with them in mind, mm-hmm. you know, rather yeah. than, like, no, girl, I wanted to take this picture of you right here because this yeah. is what's cute right now. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, like, stop no, crying. actually, you needed a nap right now. Yeah. So you took a nap. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like, and that's fine. That's it's like happy. her baby blessing. She the, she was so sleepy. She had pooped through her dress. Like, are her pictures <laughs> of her baby blessing? It's like her and her snuggle me asleep because that was the only th- time I could get a picture of her dress is – not ironed it is wrinkled because it's been a whole day and I'm like I you know I might look back and be like man I should have tried harder but then I'm also like no my baby was was four weeks old and just needed to poop and needed to sleep like (laughs) those are that that's what we're gonna get those are the pictures listen to Lana this is like the most wise thing that has ever been said there's so many things that I'm like you know Margo luckily will never remember I remember we someone sent us like make her first Christmas ornament, like use her fingerprint or whatever. You think I did that? I forgot. I think for three months I moved the room. (laughs) I had a reminder on my phone, make Christmas ornament. Christmas goes by. January goes by and every day I'm like moving it to the next day. Yeah, I think I did it maybe three weeks ago. And by the time her foot and her hands, (laughs) no, her foot and hands were too big to fit on the ornament. (laughs) So I went in the trash and I'm like, you know what? She's never going to remember like, I don't have my handprint, and I felt terrible. I'm like, Nick, I waited way too long. And he was like, who cares? And I'm like, you're right. Who yeah, cares? Who cares? And I feel bad because whoever sent it to us had the best intentions, and I should have – it just never – 
being alone with a child and like when am I gonna go play with clay for 20 minutes to make it soft like I just don't have the time to go play with clay to make it ready for the ornament so it's like I don't know there's just a lot of pressure and moms are cool moms are strong moms are powerful and like I feel like sometimes we just tell ourselves we're not those things and I know I still tell myself I'm not that like I'm not a good mom I'm not this but it's all in my head because in reality like from the outside looking in people are like wow you're such a great mom you do all these things and I'm like oh maybe I am a good mom maybe I am but I feel like we're we're just so used to downplaying the situation and telling ourselves that we're not good at it but we are good at it I feel like every mom knows what they're doing with their baby because their babies are happy okay so just to wrap up if you were to give any like word of advice to a new mom coming into like motherhood what would it be from you? I know you've already shared, like, so much incredible stuff. But, like, one, like, overall thing that has just kind of changed your experience for you. Or, like, something you've learned. Something that, like, you just feel has helped you, like, be the mom you are right now. Like, what would it be? Um, I think... No right answer. Oh, man. <laughs> I can give a serious answer and a fun answer. I think, seriously, for me, what's helped me is just... I, I think I can come off sometimes as, like, a very, like Anna said, chill, go, easygoing, like, 10% of my life. And then the rest <laughs> of my life, I, 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 I can, I and overthink, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then <laughs> I'm like, I'm a new person now. <laughs> I, I overthink, and I second guess, and I don't always trust my instincts. And I think after having the baby, after having Margot, I realized I can't be like that. And there are times where I second guess, and I'm like, even now, we're out of town, and Margot had a runny nose, and I'm like, is she sick? Oh, my gosh, I don't know. And it's like, just trust just trust yourself as a mom. You will you will know. You will know. You will, you will understand your child. You will know what to do, even though Instinct I didn't. Instinct is so real. It really is. And the, it's like you have, you have doctors who will guide you and tell you, like, here's the best thing medically. Here's what you should do. Here's what your baby needs. But I think so much of it is don't second-guess yourself. And there will be times that you will, and that's completely normal. You're not going to be 100% confident right away, but you got to work your way to feeling that way, and I think I'm still working on that. I, oh, I every make, day where I'm like, yeah, shiz. Yeah. <laughs> should I have done that? Yeah, I'm like, should I have given her that to eat right now? But it's you just got to trust yourself because at the end of the day, you will make the best decision for your child, and you will always want the best for your child. So you, never, you should never second guess, like, am I doing the right thing? Is she going to be happy? Because – you love her the most out of anybody in the world. So just, just be confident in your decision-making or work on it. That's my my serious tip. My fun tip is you go through so many changes in nine months, <laughs> and your body keeps changing afterwards. So, True, though. <laughs> so you will have some fun things. My tip in the hospital, deodorant. I, I was just telling Anna, ever since I had Margot, my right armpit is the only one that smells <laughs> The B.O. and the sweat. The B.O. and the sweat. So deodorant, get something good, and just just your body's going to keep changing for a while, and just take it day by day. Run with it, sis. (laughs) Exactly. Well, there you go, you guys. After hearing Lana's story, I hope that you gained a little bit of insight into what a scheduled induction looks like, what a C-section might be, and a couple of the funny things that do happen to our bodies during the postpartum period, because... That really doesn't get talked about enough. So thanks to Lana for sharing. 
and being so willing and open to talk about her journey of bringing Margot into the world. Tune in next week for another new episode, and if you're not already, follow along on Instagram at undereducated.pod, and let's get a little more educated together. Mm-hmm.